You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, welcome back to Morning Footy. Here's a look at today's footy fix. A couple of matches in the league are including the league leaders Barcelona. Then you've got a match in the DFB Pokal. Go on, Nico. Who's Bayern Munich playing against the third division? Posen Münster. Münster. Yes, two matches in the Carabao Cup. Manchester United against Crystal Palace and Ipswich Town taking on Wolves. And then Max Allegri's side looking to bounce back after their embarrassment against the Swallow at the weekend. They'll take on a surging Lecce side at 2.45 Eastern on the Golazzo Network. Stefano has some highlight, uh, headlines. Highlights? Headlines. Whatever you've got for us, <laughs> Stefano. Yeah, why not? Throw some highlights in there as well, right? We're going to talk about Juventus in just a second after you just mentioned them. But let's start in the Premier League. Jaden Sancho's exile for Manchester United's First team doesn't seem like it'll end anytime soon. Eric Ten Hag isn't making things easy on the English winger. According to multiple reports, Sancho has been barred from all first team facilities, including the dressing room and the dining area. The guy can't even have a snack at the club. Sancho has reportedly refused to apologize to Ten Hag for his social media response to recent comments made by the manager about his decision not to use Sancho in Manchester United's recent loss to Arsenal. If Sancho does apologize, the apology won't come via Instagram. He has just recently deactivated his Instagram account. In the Netherlands, the fallout from the ugly scenes at the Ajax Feyenoord match continue to grow with the Dutch Football Federation scheduling the completion of that abandoned match for Wednesday behind closed doors. That decision is going to require shuffling of the league schedule that isn't sitting well with either Ajax or their scheduled opponent for Wednesday, Volendam. Both Ajax and Volendam are threatening legal action, calling it unfair for the Federation to move Wednesday's scheduled league match. In Spain, Barcelona manager Xavi has confirmed that star midfielder Frenkie de Jong will miss a significant amount of playing time with an ankle injury he suffered in Barca's win against Celta Vigo on Saturday. Speaking to the media this morning, Xavi revealed that de Jong will be out until after the October international break when Barcelona will reassess him. Quote, he'll be a significant absence for us. Frankie is fundamental to how we play, especially given the great form he was in. The injury will also rule out the young for the Netherlands' upcoming Euro qualifiers against France and Greece in mid-October. In transfer news, Tottenham has officially completed the transfer of 16-year-old Croatian centre-back Luka Vuskovic. The North London club will reportedly pay $15 million for the highly rated Hajduk split defender, who will stay at his current club for the next two seasons before formally making the move to Spurs. Vuskovic was one of Hajduk split's key players in their impressive run to the UEFA Youth Cup final earlier this year. And in Italy, Juventus is back in action today against surprising and surging Lecce. And Juve manager Max Allegri has backed struggling Polish goalkeeper Wojtek Szczesny to remain his starter despite Szczesny's ratch of early season mistakes. Speaking to media yesterday, Allegri said Szczesny will remain Juve's starter in goal despite those struggles and despite the presence of Mattia Perin as a capable backup. 
Allegri wouldn't commit to whether he would start defender Federico Gatti after that wild own goal in that match. You can watch Juve, Juve and Leche live on Golazo Network today at 2.45 Eastern time. Now, Alexis, if you were Allegri, after what we've seen this season, would you be making that change to Benin? Or do you see Chesney regaining his form? And honestly, would it even make a difference with the inconsistency? I look, Matia Perin has, what, he's played in two matches, has a clean sheet. I get it, you know. I get the fans wanting Chesney maybe to uh, take a bench, get a chance, uh, take a breather, especially after a horrific mistake like that, passing the ball to Federico Gatti. That said, I kind of understand with backing him. If that's the guy you have confidence going uh, to war with, so to speak, if you're Allegri, then that's the guy you've got to, you've got to put back in goal and you've got to give him his confidence. That, uh, something like that, a massive mistake like that, and then possibly benching him could shake him way worse than putting him in goal and then maybe he makes And plus, he's Chesney. I'm an Arsenal supporter. I remember watching him play. That guy gives you a mistake every once in a while. He that's gave quite not a there few anymore. in that game, though. That's the problem. It wasn't just the own goal. He, the first goal was pretty much put in by him. But Max oh, Allegri doesn't awful. like to make changes, does he? So we would expect that Chesney will start again. I'm, I'm on side of Team Chesney. He's a grown-ass man. He's been in these situations before. He knows how to work through some adversity. I think through the course of a 38-game season, he's going to make some mistakes. He's also going to make some world-class saves. He yep. actually made a couple world-class yeah. saves. My concern is more with Juve giving up so many chances. They, he had to make a lot of interesting stops where they're just a little bit too close, a little bit too casual, I think, in the back line. And until that gets eliminated, it puts a lot of pressure on Chesney to have to be perfect. Chesney's not the problem. Well, he's not the only problem. I think the whole team was the problem, which is the problem, isn't it? And for Max Allegri, he used to pride himself on, you know, we might play a boring style, but hey, we don't concede any goals, and now that just seems to be completely out the window. So Can't let's see what they can do. <laughs> exactly. And they're the perfect they're combination yeah. of both. They're trying their hardest. Let's see what they do against Lecce today, who have been very good in Serie A so far. All right, still to come, obviously, the Open Cup final is tomorrow. We've got a special guest joining us next yes. on Morning Footy, Peter Wilt, former. Chicago Fire GM will be right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Well, here's a look at tomorrow's coverage for the U.S. Open Cup final, which begins at 7 o'clock Eastern on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports Network. Kickoff at 8.30 from Drive Pink Stadium. Kate, Clint, Charlie, Nico and Susanna, the full crew, are going to be there pitch side to bring you everything uh, it's going to be such a historic night, isn't it? Will we see Leo Messi play is maybe the biggest question. Who knows, Jimmy? Who knows? But we have got a very special guest joining us now on Morning Footy, former GM of the Chicago Fire, Peter Will joins us. Peter, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Man, you've got such an impressive resume. Uh, four Open Cups from your time at Chicago Fire. Uh, what else was on there? I was just writing it down. And MLS Cup. MLS they Cup. The Open Cup. Mm -hmm. The Double. Can you just show us the rings that you just showed us a second off camera? Because this is a pretty impressive collection. This could be the whole interview. That's how many rings he has. I, I'm blinded right now. I can't yeah. see. There's just too much. Yeah, you look like on. a rapper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you even have enough fingers for all those rings? 
I love There's, it. There's uh, one for every finger. And as my wife reminds me, this is the most important one. Oh, yes. that's yeah. right. That's right. Uh, tomorrow, obviously, we've got a massive match between uh, Inter Miami and Houston Dynamo. You are an Open Cup historian. You've obviously won the thing. You've also witnessed so many uh, editions of this. Do you think that tomorrow could be the most high profile that one that we've seen, though? Well, certainly globally, and I think it's great that Miami is back in it because some people forget Miami Fusion was in the Open Cup final in 2000. Uh, the Fire was fortunate to uh, win that match in the final. Uh, but yes, uh, uh, Messi's presence obviously makes it highest profile globally and then also domestically. There's obviously so many more people that have taken an interest in it. Uh, and it's, it's a wonderful tournament. And I think Messi's inclusion on it is uh, another important chapter in the legacy of the greatest soccer tournament in American history. Now, Peter, great to see you. Jimmy Conrad here. And I want to thank you, first and foremost, for uh, allowing my Kansas City team to beat Chicago Fire in the 2004 <gasps> Open Cup final. Ouch. You know, I just wanted to throw that. You got enough rings. I can throw some heat. I got one. He's got like 18 of them. But let's talk about the Open Cup overall because it's one of my favorite competitions that we have here in the States. It doesn't get the shine that I think it deserves, and I, I love that Paramount Plus is behind it and giving it the love that it does and adoration it deserves, and obviously have a marquee event here with Messi as we discussed. How do we make this event continue to grow and get bigger? Because I feel like it's the one competition that a casual fan in this country can understand because it's very similar to March Madness in college basketball. Well, I think CBS and Paramount's backing of it is a huge step. And I think there's been some other big steps forward in the last few years. There's many more to come. And to answer your question directly, it's to, uh, lack of a better term, subsidize lower division teams to incentivize them to participate and excel. And that includes things like subsidizing travel for these amateur mm -hmm, teams mm -hmm. that for Chicago House last year, we had to travel halfway across the country just to qualify for what was supposed to be regional qualifying. We had to go to Boston. That's not regional. And uh, U.S. Soccer did subsidize 75% of it. But in that instance, frankly, they should subsidize all of it. And then the lower-seeded teams should get to host uh, any match uh, against yeah, uh, higher-league teams. And just make it a bigger event for uh, the Davids of the world when they're playing Goliath. Now, Peter, this is why I like you, okay? You're not just someone who sits back and reports back on what happened. You've got big ideas. And I want you to pull out of that former GM bag of yours another big idea for me. Because you said that this competition will now be global, probably for the first time in its history, will have global eyes on it. And that's because of Lionel Messi coming into this league. He's changed MLS. But if you were GM, what's one, or if you could run MLS for a day, what's one roster rule that you would put in place so that the whole league grows at this rate? I think the league's doing a good job in growing uh, the quality of play. Uh, the Beckham rule has become Beckham plus one, Beckham plus two. I think it should become Beckham plus three. I think the more uh, uh, independence we give the teams to craft their own roster, uh, the better. It'll create competition and 
Sure, it's going to create less parity, but it'll create more super teams that people want to watch. And towards that end, anything that uh, creates more of an open system is a positive. Promotion relegation gets all the talk about uh, open system, but really it's much more than that. Specifically, it's no territorial exclusivity. So if you were going to give me one rule change, and this is maybe a global thing, I would say, no territorial exclusivity. Allow teams to compete across the street from the other. Those rivalries are what make the sport uh-huh. special around the world. In the United States, well, in the closed system in MLS and USL in particular, they keep that narrowly defined so that you can get a second team in a market, but you have to pay dearly for it. Peter, you think, I mean, you just mentioned it right now. Obviously, it is the hot-button hot topic, ProRail. Do you think there could be a reform for, for ProRail, or are we, are we very far away from that? It's certainly very difficult, if not impossible, to institute into existing closed system leagues because you have ownership that has already been given this closed system, which is good for a monopoly in their market. Uh, but I think a new league could pop up that uh, creates an open system without the handcuffs of an existing closed system. For the current closed system leagues, uh, MLS and USL, to uh, bring in a promotion relegation, it will be difficult but not impossible. And hmm. that will require some compromises, some, uh, some trade-offs. Uh, and I think USL is going through that right now. They have some very good intentions in USL. I really like where they're going with the idea of promotion and relegation. But I think they're finding out that it's very difficult to execute it. Because if you already have second division status and you've paid dearly for it, it's difficult to justify a, a reason to give that up. I think if they can, ownership can see that the pie will be bigger by going uh, to an open system with promotion relegation, and that bigger pie is shared with the second division in this case, there'll be a chance to execute it. With MLS, maybe there's a partnership with Mexico. Maybe there's an internal closed second division that they do pro-rel, but they don't let anyone else into the party unless they pay an expansion fee. Maybe there's a promotion fee that becomes a parachute payment uh, going down. So there's ways to uh, bring it in, but it's going to be challenging. Now, Peter, I think I could go have a beer and talk to you about this particular topic for a long time. (laughs) We appreciate your insight for sure. But let's take off the GM hat for a second and put on the fan hat. We know you have an inner Miami jersey underneath that Chicago house polo. He's actually going to do it. So so (laughs) who are you going with? Who Who are you going with in the final here? Do you think Houston Dynamo have a chance? Uh, what do we got rocking here? Uh, this is the best soccer bar in St. Louis, uh, Amsterdam Tavern, by the way. So it is a fan hat. That's for a fan hat. It matches the Chicago house colors. I love it. So we're going there. I cheer for the underdog, Jimmy. You know that. Always cheer for the underdog. <laughs> and it's hard to believe that Inner Miami, which earlier this year was the ultimate underdog before their multiple high-profile signings, uh, they're no longer the underdog. Houston is. And as uh, uh, one of my favorites that you had on, Demarcus Beasley's former team, I'm uh, I'm going to pull for Houston Dynamo and um, hope they take the Herons down. So I see <laughs> Chicago House, I see Amsterdam Tavern, and it's giving me University of Miami vibes. So I, I don't know, Peter, what you're trying to imply here. <laughs> 
Uh, Peter, just very quickly before we let you go, obviously you're the CEO of Chicago House who have qualified for the Open Cup through the local qualifying. I mean, how exciting is that for you, for, for such a, a smaller team to be able to rise through the ranks and have the possibility to go on in this competition? It's amazing. I mean, that's what the competition is really about. It's about the Davids, not the Goliaths. And with all these rings I have, frankly, it was relatively easy to succeed as an MLS team. As a Midwest Premier League team, very proud what the accomplishments of our coach Matt Poland and Chicago House have done. We're back at regional qualifying again starting this Saturday at home at a little Elmhurst University where we upset the Milwaukee Bavarians last year. And we're on the ride again. Uh, the uh, 2023 Open Cup ride for Chicago House was brilliant. We upset my former team forward Madison, gave my former team Chicago Fire a good run, and we went as far as any other amateur team in the country. Uh, we didn't win the prize money. Tulsa did. Shout out to Sonny D'Alessandro, who went just as far as us, but he won the tiebreaker on an unfair tiebreaker. <laughs> thankfully, U.S. soccer has changed for this year, my suggestion, a year late, but that's okay. Uh, but it's all exciting. It's wonderful. It's a great tournament. I encourage people to get out to watch these Open Cup matches. If they can't get there in person, be sure to watch on uh, CBS Sports. Yeah, absolutely, Peter. They're special nights, aren't they? The Open Cup, no doubt, is my favorite football competition in America. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Peter. Please take care. Uh, and speaking of underdogs, stay with us because next here on Morning Footy, we're going to show you which teams have really been shining across Europe. Some surprises so far in this early season. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. It's been over 33 years since Lecce last beat Genoa in Serie A, but they are the firm favourites in this match. Houdin, let's fly! The French connection works wonders for Lecce. Oh, now that Giresi is in. Giresi! Yes! It was never in dark, was it? Savio, Couto, Jan Couto! That should do it for a fourth straight win. I can't wait to talk about this segment because we're talking about teams that have really exceeded expectations and it feels like we've got one in all of our top five leagues across Chelsea. Europe. I <laughs> <laughs> got him. That's Joe Camillion. I'm sorry. I'm still in the relegation zone, by the way. They're getting yeah. down there, aren't they? That Making American nice. owners look amazing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's start in La Liga, though, because Girona, a second in La Liga, only behind Barcelona. They're unbeaten in six games. Alexis coming in off that massive win against Mallorca at the weekend. They're looking excellent. Yeah, this is for this team. It's been incredible. What a rise! 2021, they were promoted um, to uh, La Liga. They come in first year. A couple of MLS signings in there: mm -hmm. Alex Collins, um, 
Uh, obviously, Tati Castellanos, Golden Boot winner uh, with NYCFC, comes in, has an incredible season, incredible enough to move on. If you don't know, Girona is part of the CFG, the City Football Group. Um, so they're one of the supposedly feeder teams, uh, but they're kind of playing like the stars right now outside of Manchester City. Um, and how do you replace a guy who does as well as Tati Castellanos? They bring in Artem uh, Davbik. I hope I'm saying that correctly, the Ukrainian striker, currently sitting on two goals and two assists. And how is that doing for this team? Well, they're currently tied for first in La Liga with 16 points and the only reason they're in second is because their uh, goal differential is one goal away from how Barcelona started which has been incredible. Five wins and a, and a, and a draw. No losses yet for Girona which to put into context is probably similar to the run we've seen Brighton have. A small team get promoted, shift the way they're playing, and have an absolute incredible rise. But can we add in the City Football Group is pretty important in terms of having them having an advantage over other let's say smaller clubs they have Three the analytics MLS players. I know I get that but I think that has to be taken into consideration when we're talking about them because they have the resources that other let's say quote-unquote small clubs don't we're, have okay they're currently and I know it's early they're currently above the table Real Madrid Real Atletico. some the Atletico Madrid these are some incredible they're playing neck and neck with Barcelona Clubs where, totally those, respect where those, those additions shouldn't matter this much, at least early on. We're talking about a team that's high-flying right now, and I want to give them their flowers. They're absolutely a surprise, and that's why we're talking about um, them. There's a Brazilian winner called Savio, then mm -hmm. they have Savinho. Um, Girona is a type of team that you can go toe-to-toe -to -toe against a Real Madrid or a Barcelona, and that be your window of opportunity. If Tati Casellanos doesn't score, what was it, four, four goals, goals against Real Madrid? I don't know if he gets to transfer to Lazio. Mm. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably not. He hasn't really been playing at Lazio either since and he's arrived there. Uh, this is a team that first goal is save yourself from relegation. Yeah. Not anymore. Finishing 10th was huge for them to be able to double up on that and now be high-flying on top of the table practically. I mean, this is a huge, huge situation for Girona. You know who else is high-flying over in Germany? Stuttgart, Jimmy, sitting just behind Bayern Munich. Uh, only one loss in five games so far. Yeah, and that one loss came against RB Leipzig away from home. Of their four wins, they've scored more than three goals in all four of those games, which is very impressive, but three of those four were at home. I just want to add this as context. I, I think we're still going to be proud of what Stuttgart accomplishes this particular season, but they're off to a flying start, and they're tied for second in goals scored. They're behind Bayer Leverkusen mm -hmm. and Bayern Munich, who are obviously fantastic teams in Germany as well. Sebastian Honus is the, the manager here. He took over last season and really righted the ship, and I think he really simplified a lot of things for the players. We see that with managers at times. They come in, and they somehow get everybody rowing the boat in the same direction, and I think that Sebastian Honus has done a great job of that. However, it does help when you have a player that's scoring as many goals as Suryu Girasi, 27-year-old Ghanaia uh, national. He is unbelievable. Ten goals in five games, only the second ever player in Bundesliga history to have done that. Robert Lewandowski is the first. He's the leading scorer in all top five leagues in Europe, and uh, he's been fantastic. And I think, again, I mentioned it before when we're talking about another team, but when you when you have someone who's scoring like he's scoring, he's scoring all types of different goals, by the way, banging them in from outside the box, delicate chips over the goalkeeper, Hairs. dribbling through three players. I mean, he is unstoppable right now. Confidence is a hell of a drug, everybody. But when you have somebody <laughs> like him, when you score like that, it just allows you to be a little bit more relaxed as a team. You don't have to be perfect defensively. The goalkeeper doesn't have to make world-class saves to keep you in it. It's going to have to happen at some point for Stuttgart to remain at the top of the table. 
But when you have someone like Yurasi scoring these types of goals. He's so smooth. So smooth. He reminds me of Aubameyang when Aubameyang is on. You know what I mean? Just like he's three or four steps ahead of the mm -hmm. defender. He's almost toying with them. Pair him with Fulhic and Millon that have accompanied him in the attacking triangle for Stuttgart that mm -hmm. have given him so much success. And like you guys said, it's wait for the right moment, tick, chip the goalkeeper. Or from mid-distance, Fuagata. Fuagata. He, he scored 10 goals in five games. The most he's ever scored in one season is 11. Crazy. So I don't know what he's eating for breakfast, Crazy. but please Maybe share it stops. with us. Please, we want <laughs> some of that. He stops right now. <laughs> what about over in Italy? Time to give Italy some love because that team this season so far has been Lecce. Uh, they have been so good. They're unbeaten. They've got some big results as well. They're sitting only just behind Inter and Milan, who we know of, well, Milan, other than the derby thrashing, have been absolutely fantastic to start this new calendar year uh, in the season. Lecce beat Lazio. They then drew to Fiorentina. They've got 11 points in their first five matches, which is pretty incredible to say that they were toying with relegation last season. I think they only finished five points ahead of the bottom three as well. And last season, we did see them play some good football. The results didn't mm. come. This year, it seems like things are starting to change. And uh, today, they'll take on Juventus, which maybe is a good time to take on this Juventus team. And Bashkirotto, Matteo Bonetti's favorite player, back for them. So another little boost as well. Yeah. What um, I like about Lecce is the first two games of the season, sorry there, Nico, no, no, is no, that no. they were down. They were down to Lazio in game one, came yep. back and scored two late goals. They were down to Fiorentina. 2-0, they came back and scored two goals in the second half to make it 2-2. There's something about Roberto Diaversa's team and, and the type of confidence they're instilling in their team to have that type of character to, to fight back and not just unravel when things aren't going your way, like Ajax fans. Only Inder <laughs> correct. That's my callback, yeah. Yeah. Ajax fans. Hey, it hit. Only Inder has conceded less than Lecce this yeah. season. We'll see how they fare today against Juve. It'll be another nice test for them. They're very um, in one goal this month. I, I think between all of these teams, one thing that they have in common is, again, getting saved from relegation. Stuka was in the relegation battle against Hamburg last season. And in, in the they went to the, the playoff, playoff and they ended up winning. So um, it's crazy to see these teams doing so incredibly well. Yeah. I think in France, there's another team that has kind of a similar context in their top of the tables, Brest, who has been not only flying to start the season, it's their best start to a top flight season in the 18 years that they've played first division football. Um, and they've been really good. They don't really have any out and out star players. I mean, Roman de Castillo that has experience in, in Liga, he leads them with goals, but um, it's kind of a mix of everything. I, I don't know if they'll stay top of the table for, for long. They're not used to being here. In fact, they haven't been top of the table since autumn of 2010 when they were top of the table for two match days. <laughs> um, so it, it's, it's promising. It's great. Listen, PSG's not at their best right now. Uh, Monaco finally lost uh, this past weekend. So Brest has seized this opportunity. I want to talk about Nice. Okay, the Nice's last three wins are against these teams you see on the screen right now. Exactly. <laughs> they and, and and beating Brest fair, but then they backed it up by beating PSG and then in a derby against uh, Monaco. Yeah. Winning in the very last moment. Jeremy Boga, you guys might know him from Serie A, from Sassuolo and, and Atalanta, who's been killing it. And listen, remember that Kasper Schmeichel was their goalkeeper uh, last season, and, and the new manager said, you know what, I'm going for Bulka, who's the, the Polish goalkeeper that I trust a little bit more. Uh, Schmeichel rescinded his contract. He's now in Belgium at Anderlecht. And 
they have a couple of out-and-out -out starters that have been playing incredible, but I want to give credit to Farioli, um, the manager of Nice. Crazy enough, he's like 34 or 35. He was the goalkeeper coach under De Zerbi at, at Sassuolo, but then the guy went on his own journey in Turkey. He coached Fatih Karangübrük and Alanya Spor. Great manager, esteemed in Turkey for an international manager, young international manager to show up in Turkey. And they get the Nice job. I don't know if people know who he is in Italy. And to have Nice playing the, the way they're playing with, with the players they have, um, it's incredible. The Eglo, Les Eglo, the, the Eagles of, of Nice, off to a very promising nice start. start. <laughs> yes, we had to get it in there at one point. I can't believe someone didn't say it before me. I beat you all to it. Uh, they're the exceeders from Europe so far in the season. But after the break, we're going to talk about the Americans and how they fared this past weekend. It was a bit of a mixed bunch, wasn't it? We're going to yeah. recap it after the break. Choose your own adventure. <laughs> Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Here's how the Americans fared abroad this past weekend. Anthony Robinson played 90 minutes in a 0-0 draw against Crystal Palace. John Brooks, a nice day for him. 2-0 win at Union Berlin. Ricardo Pepe had a goal in their 4-0 win. Uh, Eunice Musa played 90 minutes in the win against Verona. His first start for the Rossoneri. But let's talk about Flo Balogun because he missed two penalties. Mm in their loss against Nice. Obviously, we just talked about Nice and how well they're doing this season. But, Jimmy, that's a really tough blow, isn't it, for a striker to not miss one but to miss two in a defeat for your team? Especially a striker. Let's leave the American stuff out of it, where Balogun comes into a team, obviously makes a big move to Monaco, resolved his situation with Arsenal, wants to put a stamp on things, comes into a team that already has a successful striker with some Ben Yedder. He now gets the start over Ben Yedder and then goes on to miss two penalties. That's, that's hard to do, I think. And, and I wonder if you missed the first one, why he, I know why he grabbed the ball and wanted to totally redeem himself, to borrow a quote from Dumb and Dumber. But I will say that <laughs> most coaches, if you do miss one, will elect to go to your second mm -hmm. choice there. So it's going to be interesting to see. Now, Adi Hooter, the coach of Monaco, said, hey, we got his back. We're going to win together. We're going to lose together. Said all the right well, things. And he's proven in France also at this point, right? right? They know that he misses two penalty kicks and they know what he's made of. Um, but that's the big question is what was he brought to Monaco to do? To start or to be Wissam Ben Yedder's replacement, who is a very proven goal scorer at Monaco? Um, I understand Brillen Bolo has injured. He's the guy that's kind of been out of the lineup mm -hmm. and out of the squad through his torn ACL, but it's Balogun who has either come to fill that void or to take the starting position. And after the two missed penalty kicks, there's a lot of question marks. Not only did he miss two penalty kicks, uh, Dante on the back line on Jean-Claire Todibo, the two center backs for Nice, who are playing amazing. We talked about it sure. last segment. Locked him down pretty much. L'Equipe is 
pretty rigorous from their one to 10 scale with their ratings. Not many people get 10s. What do you think they gave Balogun? Well, I think you probably get, what, minus two for missing a pen? He missed two of them, so he's probably, what, four or five mark? Two. You got a two. They gave Sweet. him a two. Sweet. Yeah. Cool. Don't you get that just now from putting your name Now you just ruined my morning. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. A two. Uh, what about Weston McKenney? Let's just quickly talk about him, because since, you know, it, it's never easy when you get relegated with a team like he did with Leeds United, and then it felt like for a large part of the off-season, it's like, where is Weston McKenney going to go? Where is he going to find his home again? He goes back to Juventus. And he had a good preseason. It felt like he was really building his way back into the team under Max Allegri, winning the fans back over and playing well. This past weekend's nothing to go on because the whole team was shocking against Sassuolo. But what do you think about Weston McKenney, Alexis? Do you think you've, he's doing well, good enough at, yeah. at Juventus? I mean, you know, in our pre-production meeting, we talked about, fine, he didn't play, he didn't play well. But who did on this team, you know? It was a rough, it was a rough match. Juventus have been playing fairly well up until this point, in particular Weston McKinney, to go from having his bags packed at one point to being told he's not in the plans to coming back, maybe it's nobody purchased him, maybe there was enough of an offer, but to come back and to fight for your position and to play well and also to shine on the men's national team and then play well for your club and seemingly earn the trust of Allegri again, I think we're seeing, if you're looking at it from a bird's eye view and not just sort of that, you know, bias, uh, that recency bias, from a bird's eye view, this is a progression upward, and I expect it to continue. What I don't like is that his backup is Tim Weah, who I would hope they'd both be on the pitch at the same time. It's rough to see two American starters sort of fighting out for the same position. Uh, but at the end of the day, he's playing at a level where, you know, he's shown those flashes of brilliance. I expect him to continue. Mm -hmm. And I suppose as well how well he did with the U.S. men's national team only helped him in getting back into the starting 11 in Juve. Well, what's interesting is that he does it as an eight, a box-to-box -box midfielder mm -hmm. for the U.S., and then he goes and plays wing-back for, right wing-back for Juve. It's interesting times for Weston McKinney. Where's his best spot, and where do we want him to develop and continue to grow? Is it that position? Because mm -hmm. that's not where he's going to play for the U.S. So that... Makes me have mixed feelings about the whole thing. I do like him getting minutes, though, of course. Weston McKinney has been on a roller coaster throughout his entire career. He played center back at times for Schalke. So that was a bad Schalke team, though. Versatile. Yeah, but he, but he, he, he is not out of necessity. They right. they played him there because they thought that was a position that best suited him. And look, he's played. It's like. Literally, striker and goalkeeper are like the only positions he hasn't played. Well, hand him a Brazilian banjo. I bet you can play that song. <laughs> you yeah, Rafinha. Yeah, I know, right? I bet he's, he could do it all. Let's see how he does today against Lecce. Uh, still to come here, though, on Morning Footy, former Open Cup winner and current Dynamo GM Pat Onstad is going to join us next. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Affair between the Houston Dynamo and Real Salt Lake. Fired it all the way across the six. It's loose in front and tapped home. Hector Herrera scores the opener. The Dynamo lead in the semifinal. Severino. Cross gets in there. It's Julio. He pounds it home. 
stepping forward. Karaskia! The big player on the big stage. Caicedo keeps this alive for Bassi. Back for Caicedo. It's over. And a date with Inter Miami and the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup final. So the Open Cup final coming up tomorrow. And for more on this Open Cup winner and current Dynamo GM, Pat Onstead joins us now. Pat, good morning. Welcome to Morning Footy. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you feeling ahead of tomorrow night? Good. Good. Nice seeing those highlights. I don't know if I've watched that game again. So that was uh, nice to see. Yeah, yeah. it's exciting. Yeah, a bit of a roller coaster, isn't it? I know you just mentioned you're going to fly out after training uh, this morning. How is the team looking? How are you feeling? How confident are you feeling going to Miami to take on potentially Leo Messi and this into Miami team? Oh, uh, is he play for them now? I hadn't heard that. <laughs> Apparently. I, I didn't know. I guess they must have made, a, made an agreement in the summer. No, um, I think it's exciting. It's exciting for our club. You know, I think the one uh, word that we've been using and I, we've heard out there in the media is resurgent. It's been uh, uh, a lot of years of uh, dire times here in Houston. So I think we're excited and we're excited for our, our owner, Ted Siegel, who's been very supportive and is, is really trying to turn this uh, franchise around. And we're excited he's got a chance to maybe lift, lift a trophy on Wednesday. Pat's one of your favorite former opponents, Jimmy Conrad here. And... Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to ask you about your time and your transition from being a player. You finished at D.C. United, and I think that's where you crossed over with Ben Olsen, who's your current head coach for the Houston Dynamo. Then you made a move to Toronto and then uh, Columbus Crew, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, you, you've seen a lot of different organizations, but you've seen so much. And so how much do you take from those experiences to play into the type of GM that you want to be to help rebuild Houston? Yeah, I mean, I think I want to go back a little bit and say when I finished in D.C., I keep forgetting I actually played three games for them when I was what, 43 or something. Like that. But uh, just for the record, Ben Olsen, you know, he ended my career. So he's the head coach here. So, I, you know, we'll see how we'll see how that one all plays out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as, as you know, Jimmy, when you're when you finish, it's difficult. It's hard. It's hard for players. And I, I talk to a lot of guys that are, are ending, starting to end their careers or have just ended their careers. It's difficult to try to find your niche and, and what you're passionate about. I, th I always thought I was going to be coaching um, and had a great opportunity, you know, to work with uh, Ben, obviously a, a great guy to work with and, and uh, Greg Burhalter and his staff for five years in Columbus. Uh, and I was fortunate. Tim Bezbachenko came down as a president and GM in, in Columbus and he needed a technical director because he was working pretty hard on the business side, building a new stadium and training facility. And uh, it was a great opportunity for me to kind of get my, uh, get my toes in the water, I guess, on the management side, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, so I spent three years there, and uh, fortunately, Ted Siegel, who I'd mentioned before, our owner, uh, took a chance on me here, and, um, you know, we're 18 months, almost two years in, I guess, to the project, and uh, we're pretty excited about the direction that we're heading. Pat, I want to ask you about Ben Olsen in particular. We've talked a lot on this show about Tata Martino and some of the changes he's made because we've sort of seen it, but maybe we haven't really taken that close of a, enough of a look about what Ben Olsen has done with Houston. You know him personally. You've, you've uh, Back when he was a player, you know him now as a coach. Tell us something about Ben Olsen we might not know from the outside looking in. Like, give us something about him. What makes him tick? What's his favorite flavor of ice cream? <laughs> yeah, I don't, know. I don't know if I know that. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I do. I do know. He's, he, you maybe won't, won't want me to say this, but he's become a vegan of, of in the last, uh, you know, eight <laughs> years or so. But um, that's probably maybe one thing people don't know. But uh, otherwise, he, he's a guy that actually you know exactly where he stands and what he feels because he wears his heart on his sleeve, uh, and that's something I like. He's a very passionate coach. 
uh, connects very well with the players, gets the most out of his guys. Uh, and what I think his development is a, is a coach that you've seen, you know, through his 10 years at D.C. And I think when he had his uh, kind of two-year hiatus was to go back and reflect and, and look about the way he coaches and become a much more tactile, tactile, I guess, I don't know, tactical coach. Uh, and <laughs> you can see the way we play. We're a very possession-oriented team. Uh, we like to possess the ball, especially in midfield, which will make it really interesting against Miami because – I'm pretty sure they have some pretty good midfielders over there. <laughs> so uh, it should be an interesting game for us. Uh, it, it should be uh, pretty fun. You know, I've got a lot of respect for Tata Martino, even what he's done in his career and, and also in MLS. So uh, it's going to be exciting to see what happens uh, tomorrow night. So how far along do you think you guys are from this team having that identity that, that you guys really want them to have? I imagine that you guys want to change the culture, bring Houston back to what it was before and Ben Olsen brings that bite. I mean, you've brought a lot of players that you know to try to solidify this team. How far along the road are we? Yeah, we're getting there. I don't think we're, it's the final product yet. I think we're, you know, part of the off season will be to keep, keep adding probably some more attacking pieces. But uh, what we have is a good core. And we focused a lot in the off season, uh, as, you, as you can see Hector up on the screen, which is perfect, a perfect guy to kind of build your club around. We're very fortunate. We have a leader and a, a guy who's as good a player as he is. But I think for us, it was to bring in win winners. You know, we brought in Artur from Columbus, who's been a, a awesome in midfield for us. We brought in uh, Shevchenko from Denmark. We brought in Franco Escobar, who's won pretty much every trophy uh, available in MLS. Uh, and it was really important for us to bring in guys like that that had a pedigree of uh, winning. And I think it's tough when you have a franchise that is used to losing. That's a really tough thing to do to turn it around. And I credit Ben Olsen and his coaching staff who have just done an amazing job to uh, you know, kind of bleed belief, in, belief into these guys. And I think it helps when you have that locker room, guys that have been successful. And, Jimmy, you would know this. You know, you know that's one of the reasons when, uh, you know, you went to Kansas City because you'd had a 2001, a championship in San Jose. And it helps to develop that within that, that locker room. So that's um, really important to bring those type of guys into your environment, into your culture. Uh, and really drive it from within. And I think we've done a good job of that, but, we, you know, our job isn't done yet. Well, Pat, I appreciate you uh, throwing back to my accolades. Uh, that <laughs> yeah. means a lot. Are you still on a bus in Kansas City? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I've won some things, and I appreciate Pat remembering those things. But uh, I want to throw it back to 1999 for you, where you were part of the last non-MLS team to win the Open Cup back in 1999. Uh, Rochester Raging Rhinos, you were between the sticks. So you've won this competition before. I mean, how special would it be for you to win it again as a non-player? Yeah, it would be nice. It would yeah. be nice. And I, I appreciate that you, you left in the, the, the full name. Everyone always calls them the Rhinos. It is the Raging Rhinos. That's right. Wow. Of, of 99. So, yeah, it was, uh, that was a special run for our group. You know, uh, it was a different time at that stage, too. The A-League, or A-League, I preferred to call it at that stage, was uh, <laughs> we had a lot of guys that probably were capable of playing in MLS but we're doing playing A-League and indoor soccer that we're capable. So we, when you say it's always oh, it a second division team, it was probably uh, an, an MLS, uh, MLS light team. So mm -hmm. it was a pretty, pretty good team to begin with. But um, for, for certainly from a personal standpoint, I thought I would be able to get to a lot of these things, and I haven't been to a final U.S. Open Cup since 99. So uh, the trophy's changed. Uh, it's just been a long time since, since I've been there. So I'm excited for our guys. Uh, we've... We've run a bunch of uh, different groups out, especially in the early stages. Um, and I, I feel like this group, everybody in our locker room, all 28 players. So, you know, we've had like Majid Marana, who's, who hasn't really got any first team minutes, but played two excellent games early on in our 
our run. Uh, Andrew Tarvell's had a good run in goal for us. And I think that's really kind of solidified the culture in that in that locker room. And the, the guys are fighting for one another and they feel like this is our trophy. And it's not just, you know, 11, 12, 13 guys. It's it's the entire club. So I'm excited to see what uh, what happens on Wednesday. How'd you celebrate that win? You eat a garbage plate? In Rochester? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Actually, it was at Cruz Stadium. So uh, I, we all went and kind of uh, like started shotgunning beers in the parking lot. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's even better. Frankie Hanek wasn't there yet. So if Frankie says he was the first one to be doing that in, in that uh, parking lot. That's not true. <laughs> what's, what's, a garbage garbage what's a garbage It's plate? a famous Rochester dish. It's got oh. like coleslaw, scrambled eggs, uh, mac and so cheese, <laughs> cheeseburger <laughs> patties, hot dogs. Kind of I haven't even yeah. finished it. It's literally everything in a diner on a plate, basically. Uh, Yum. Yeah. It's what Rochester's right known for street. besides the yeah. Pat, thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck tomorrow night. Enjoy it. No, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Good luck, Pat. Thanks, See you, Pat. Pat. See you. Yeah. Poppy, got a question for you. Oh, go on. If Nottingham Forest played in the US Open Cup, how do you think they would do? They'd Your win team? it. They'd win it? The whole thing. Full stop? Yeah. Full stop. If they did Agree win it, would you eat a Rochester garbage <laughs> I plate? I would eat that for free. That sounds delicious. No, it's all on one plate on top of each other. I think other. Forrest would be all right. They would get to a semi-final They're and then probably team. lose to a USL team. That's very true. Or on maybe a final. On a Tuesday. Yeah. Good on luck. penalties yeah. Yeah. as well. Just yeah. the English way. Just how we like it. Get to the very end and on the last penalty kick. Nah. Uh, that game's coming up tomorrow night. Obviously the Open Cup from Miami. But let's just remind you of what we've got to look forward to today. Because we've got a bunch of matches. Including uh, the two La Liga games which we mentioned. Uh, the DFB Pokal with the Bayern. Mighty Bayern Munich uh, in action. Two Carabao Cup matches. Ipswich Town taking on Wolves. Manchester United against Christoph. What are you boys arguing about over here? Jimmy almost broke the Golasso network. I'm just excited Jimmy. to see who's playing we today. I couldn't see We also want to know what team Bayern is playing. What is it again, they Poppy? They are playing Posan... Munster. 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 Sounds like a cheese. The, Sounds the, like what's under the bed of a, every child that was afraid of I think of they're in the garage they're play, the, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you think yeah, they'll the, upset Bayern Munich today, Alexis? Uh -huh. Do you think they'll upset Bayern Munich today? Absolutely in the cup? not. No. Okay. Third division side. They're going to lose... Six zero. Six. Six zero. I'll say eight. Very Newcastle oh, You know what? I'll go Glad. seven nil. Okay. <laughs> bet? Uh, yeah, I'll take a bet. Is Man United going to lose to Palace? Loves though? A That's, bet, by the way. Is Man United losing to Palace? Everyone. That's what the people want to know. They're going to draw nil nil. And it's going to be just like a loss. Ooh. Do you yeah. think they're going to win? I do. And they have to win, especially at home. Is Juve going to win is the bigger question. Mm. Is mm. Mad Max's mm. tacking playback or is he just going to If Weston and Tim Weah play at the same time, then yes, they're going to win. Then they at least stand a chance. <laughs> well, it's coming up on the Golazzo Network. That's it from us here today on Morning Footy. We will see you tomorrow. Bye.